the Dairy Defined podcast. The National Young Cooperators Program kicked off its 2020-2021 program year last month, convening for its first ever virtual leadership and development program. Now in its 70th year, the program, managed by the National Milk Producers Federation, was created to provide up-and-coming leaders in the dairy industry with a better understanding of issues facing farmers and their cooperatives. Today, we're talking to chairman of the National YC Program, James Weber. James reopened his family's dairy farm, Weber Family Dairy, in 2015. Together with his parents and fiance, he milks 120 Jersey cows and farms 800 acres just outside Frankenmuth, Michigan. James is a member owner of Michigan Milk Producers Association and a recent recipient of the co-op's coveted Outstanding Young Dairy Cooperator Award. James, we know it's a busy time for you. Thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Well, thank you for having me here, Teresa. I'm happy to participate and speak a little bit about uh, the dairy industry. So James, please share a little bit about yourself. How did you get into dairy farming and what does your operation look like today? Yeah, so I grew up on my parents' 40-cow Holstein dairy farm where uh, we were still milking a stanchion barn. And when I turned 18, finished high school, I was kind of searching for a path. And I I took a stab at a two-year dairy management program at Michigan State University where during my second semester, I really started to fall in love with dairying. And and I learned more about what dairying could be because all I had known was my parents' dairy farm. So that program led me out to California where I went on an internship. Um, I worked on a couple of large commercial herds in that state and then uh, obtained a bachelor's in dairy science from California Polytechnic State University. Uh, I worked on a large commercial herd in Texas and then eventually made my way back to Michigan because I wanted to be around family. And uh, I had the opportunity to restart the dairy farm, the family dairy. And uh, I chose jerseys because I, in my time out West, I was on a herd that had Holsteins and jerseys and just really liked that breed um, in comparison to the Holsteins. And on October 7th, 2015, 131 Jersey cows showed up at our farm. <laughs> It's been a volatile year. What are some of the lessons that you've learned and how will it change how you do business in the future? One of the things is uh, that nobody saw COVID coming. You know, Even when we had early whisperings of it over in Wuhan, we really didn't know what it was going to become. I was one of the more foolish people who back in 2019 decided, well, you know, I'm going to take a chance and not pay the uh, fee for the dairy margin coverage program. And uh, I opted out uh, out of that, and uh, you know that was a, a big mistake financially, not not uh, participating in that. So huge lesson learned. Uh, sadly, it came at a large financial cost, but that's how these things typically go. So moving forward, just for for my uh, lesson learned there, it's you know um, participate in risk management for a business because who knows what the future is going to do. You live in Michigan, which was an important state in the recent presidential election. After a year of being pelted by political ads, what are your thoughts on politics? So politics have been kind of frustrating for everyone. Uh, When you hear about uh, different candidates just back and forth attacking each other, it seems kind of immature. Um, I understand why it's done, but what we could really use is those people working together for a common goal. Um, if we if we're just at each other's throats, if there's discourse within our industry or the country in general, we we suffer from that. So unity 
um, it's only going to help everyone. And that's what I would really stress with lawmakers is, you know, keep open opinions, keep an open mind, learn from others. When you, when you're, when you have an open mind and you're willing to learn from other people, um, you can really start to grow as an individual. What message would you have for lawmakers on what they can do to help dairy farms succeed? If I had the chance to, to speak with lawmakers, you know, I would, I would try and talk to them about how important collaboration is between the parties, um, just for the betterment of, you know, everybody in this country, uh, you know, that means working together and, you know, specifically for farmers, it would really involve, um, opening up the free market, you know, allowing, allowing the free market to take place, uh, government supplemental programs, uh, and assistance programs are, are key when we have disasters like COVID-19, but, the, the thing that really allows for economic uh, um, prosperity for, for our farmers and I imagine for just about any industry is just allowing that free market to work. Uh, in dairy specifically, you know, we can really use help with trade by protecting the dairy industry from like geographical indicators that we're seeing uh, Europeans take advantage of, defending against like plant-based imitation, upholding those so that the American consumer can be confident in what they're buying and knowing what they're getting. You know, I, I, I like I said, I, I think whenever the free market opens up, the, the American farmer will benefit, the rural communities will benefit, and in, in the end, it's just a, a win for everyone in this country. What are some of your biggest challenges as a young farmer, and how are they different from what a more established dairy farmer would face? As a young farmer, I think one of the biggest challenges for myself was just inexperience. Um, I, I spent a lot of time educating myself, and, and when I entered the dairy industry, I was very confident in my abilities with a cow. But the challenge was I was also running a business, and while I had some minor uh, intro to business classes in college, and, and I, I've always had a, a pretty good knack for, for working with financial numbers and stuff like that, but it was still more of just the inexperience there are lots of life lessons that are learned that can only be learned through living them um, that you can't learn in a classroom or in a textbook. And uh, I, I mentioned earlier, one of the things that I learned about through COVID here was uh, risk management. And that's just one of those things where you have to live it to learn it. Um, so, so being young, you just, I think the inexperience is a big thing. Um, having a very young farm like we do where we're only five years into the business, just the, the financial stability is something that I don't have that I, I would think I, I'm hoping to obtain, you know, when I'm 15 to 20 years in. And, you know, that just makes a, a big difference in the amount of stress that you carry from day to day when you don't have to worry about, well, is the milk check going to cover all my bills? You know, a, a solidified uh, farm should should have that stuff a little bit more safeguarded. You were recognized as the outstanding young cooperator by your co-op Michigan Milk Producers Association last year. And then you were elected to serve as chairman of the National YC program. Why did you decide to become so active in the YCs? And what have been some of your biggest takeaways from your experience over the past year? The simplest reason as to why I've started to participate in so much is because I do a really bad job of saying no to people. <laughs> um, but beyond that, you know, just getting involved more with my co-op, with NMPF and uh, my community all around is because I want to create my own destiny. I want to help positively impact the American dairy industry. And I, I want to better myself. I, I've always uh, been a huge proponent of, of people 
growing internally and developing themselves in in any form. You know, it doesn't have to be just in leadership roles or anything like that, but you know, just always trying to improve on yourself because there's there's no limit to where a person can go. And the YCs were kind of an outlet for me to do that. Growing up, you know, I always tried to do have my achievements in like sports and things of that nature because that's what I enjoyed at the time. And now it's just how can I create my, more for myself and do more for myself within the dairy industry as that's the, the career path that I've taken. So um, the YCs being a, a national organization is a, a huge outlet to connect with different people. And um, there's endless opportunities. There's so many different paths you can do, go down within the YCs and it's just limitless opportunity. What does being a member of your co-op mean to you and how is it helping you reach your goals? Um, being a member of a, of a co-op was incredibly valuable to me. When I started the dairy farm, um, one of the things that I always thought is just, you know, I, I know where my milk's going. You know, I had, I had my co-op in mind and it was as simple as that. I have a group of experts um, who know how to market my milk to its greatest potential and that took so much weight off of me because I didn't then have to worry about it. Uh, the, the unity of the membership is a really fascinating thing. In the dairy industry, we say all the time that we're in this together. And even though we are each other's competition, there is that unity, that, that, that feeling where people are going to help you out, even though you staying in business might not be the best for them. I've, I've always appreciated that about the dairy industry. And in addition to that, you know, being a part of a co-op, there's so many resources available that co-ops typically provide to their membership. And it's just things that you wouldn't have if you were on your own. Uh, the, the, the common theme of teamwork, you know, working together um, to achieve the best results for, for the member body. And I've always enjoyed that. Lord willing, James, we both have most of our careers ahead of us in the dairy industry. What are some of the recurring and emerging threats and opportunities that you see for your business and for our industry as a whole? And what are your plans for the future? So in our area, I think some of the main threats, um, and this is probably nationwide, I think labor is a really big one. We saw this with the recent uh, election. There were some ballot initiatives in different states that uh, raised the minimum wage to $15 an hour. And, uh, you know, this is a trend that's not going to stop at $15 an hour or at the states that it's limited to right now. And I think that creates a, creates a challenge. We have to Im increase our efficiencies on our farm in order to compensate for that increase in labor expense. Um, and, and doing so, you know, it's, it's, always, it's always a challenge. Um, but it's an overcomable challenge, I, I think. I think uh, that we will do it. It's just a difficulty. You know, lab lab grown milk is one that's on the horizon that really hasn't taken off yet, and I'm really unsure of where it's going to go. Uh, is it going to just be a hot button topic for a few years, and then they'll realize it's too expensive to produce this way, or people are scared to consume a lab grown product? I don't know. Um, I think it has a threat potential. Is it if it just you know captures that two or three percent market share? You know, we'll probably be fine with that. But I, it's just, I'm unsure of how it's going to turn out, and I can see that being a threat. I, I also think that just the, the rate at, uh, at which certain expenses for dairy farms is increasing is uh, kind of 
th thread as well. And I always think to uh, like large equipment, tractors, things of that nature. Um, my dad always tells me how, you know, when he was growing up, a hundred horsepower tractor was 30, 40,000. And understandably, there's so much more technology in the equipment and, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot more that goes into it, but regardless, you know, these, uh, pieces of equipment that we need to run our businesses are the, their cost is going up exponentially in comparison to milk, which, you know, still has the same pay price as it did 40 years ago. So it's again, you know, we have to find our efficiencies on the farm to to compensate for that, and it's just a, it's another challenge. Um, so I know it's a lot of threats that, that I talked about, but I always think there's there's more opportunity out there than there is threats. Um, I think that there's a lot of potential for uh, smaller farms to start marketing, you know, direct to consumer, and even large farms have have done it successfully. I think there's going to be some opportunity with uh, the net initiatives to go to carbon neutrality. You know, there's going to be opportunities for carbon sequestration, and and uh, I I hope that there's some money made available to dairies and any farm that's able to sequester carbon, and and um, I think those farms will be rewarded for that. So there's an opportunity there. Um, our global exports, I think, will become. Uh, an opportunity as well. There's lots of reports that talk about how there will be a 25% increase. And, and I know the number is different everywhere you look, but I, I've seen 25% where the demand for dairy worldwide will increase that at that rate in the next 10 years because of the number of people who are going to be coming out of poverty and, and joining the middle class. And then they'll have the desire for high quality proteins, with the, which the dairy industry is ready to meet uh, easily. Um, more opportunities within the state, within the states here, I, I think improving consumer confidence. I think, uh, the, uh, American people, I think we have the opportunity for the American people to start seeing the dairy industry as, as allies, um, not only in their food safety and the quality of the food that they receive from us, but in our environmental impact and how we're, how we're, uh, treating the planet and how we are part of the solution rather than the problem you watch documentaries and it seems like we're always criticized on it. But I, I think that we're really starting to see, you know, people outside of Hollywood understanding the, the truth of it. And, and I, I think that's going to be a good thing for us going forward. Um, you know, talking a little bit about the carbon sequestration and things of that nature and uh, how we might receive some funding for that. You know, I think cover cropping is a, is a great one. Um, recently, my, I've been had the opportunity to learn about some of the different biodiversity opportunities out there. And, you know, that the cover cropping is, is one where it might link in with the carbon sequestration, you know, alternative energy sources. Uh, there, there's, there's all sorts of positives and it. it's again, very dependent on where you're at in the country and, and uh, what kind of companies and, grid system that you have available, but that's a good one to, to talk about. And I think robotics, you know, moving forward, it's, there's going to be more and more automation. It links in with the increase in expenses of labor. If we see that, you know, there's going to be, it's going to be more budget friendly to look into automation and, you know, the dairy cows like robots, that's, that's pretty well known. So I think it's only going to continue to go. And I, I think that leads to opportunities in improving our quality of life as dairy farmers. Uh, we can become more reliant on technology versus having to put in more hours and longer days. And I think that's all around an opportunity and a benefit to, to our industry. Um, you also asked about uh, my future plans. 
Uh, on this farm, we, we made the decision earlier this year that we were going to expand. So we're going from the 120 cow jerseys to 240. Our project this fall is we're putting up a, a sizable feed pad so we can store our feed on uh, and, and drive over piles and some bags. Uh, whereas right now we just have them spread out on the on the ground and uh, it's just <laughs> made made for a lot of mud in the winter time. We're putting up a 240 cow freestall barn and just uh, some manure storage as well. So the the increase in size for the herd is going to be done internally. We've had lots of replacement animals coming through in preparation for this. This is my attempt at uh, <laughs> trying to free myself up a little bit where we can be a little more efficient on our labor, hire in some people, um, and then create a little bit more freedom for everyone involved on the operation. Thank you for joining us, James. Thank you for having me, Teresa. It's always fun. That's it for today's podcast. For more information about the National Young Cooperators Program, visit our website, www.nmpf.org. From there, you can also find recent podcast episodes from the Sharing Our Story page off the news heading from our homepage. Or you can make it easy on yourself and subscribe to our Dairy Defined podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again soon.